My name is Johnny, and I am the campus pastor here at the bridge. We are uh, so glad that you came out to join us today. Uh, beautiful, sunny weather to start November. I was worried when it was snowing in the middle of October that we would not see the ground again until May. But here we are, guys. It's still Iowa. And so we're still going to have 60-degree weather, apparently, this week, which I am not complaining about. I'm excited for. Uh, this morning, we're starting a new series called Good Grace. Good Grace. And for three weeks, we're going to be talking about what grace means and the impact that grace has on us, on those around us, and then what kind of impact that grace has on really the whole world. So the whole series is kind of growing out from this center, this idea of what grace means to us. And then from there, it expands and it expands and it expands. So we're digging into this idea of grace. If two weeks ago you joined us, uh, you heard me preach quite loudly as I did a rewatch of it uh, about the topic of grace, and I said a lot. I preached for a long time. And then I got to this Sunday and I thought, how in the world am I going to do that again? I might have an aneurysm up here uh, if I try to do that again. Uh, so then I got to thinking about grace, and I got to thinking about the transformative power of grace. Tara just read out of Galatians chapter 5, where we find that grace sets us free. Beth, do I need to release children? Beth is like giving me hand signals. Children, you can go to kids' church now if you would like to do that. I'm sorry, Beth. You should have run down the center aisle just yelling. She's too, she's too kind for that. I got to thinking about grace, and I got to thinking about the power of grace and what it means to be set free, right? And what freedom really means to us. And then I got to thinking about my friend Steve. Steve uh, is a guy that I met eight years ago when I pastored in Orange City. When I met Steve, he was 53, and I was 25. And yet, somehow, we just hit it off immediately and became really, really good friends. We seem to have so much in common, just had an easy time talking to each other. And I met Steve right at the end of uh, one part of his journey in life and at the beginning of the next part of the journey. And actually, Steve is the reason that I even suggested that we try and preach this series called Good Grace in the first place. Because I saw on Facebook a few weeks ago, Steve shared something that said something to the effect of, people are tired. People are not feeling like themselves. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of pent-up, you know, feeling and frustration in the world and in the church right now. What people need is not to be told what to do or how to think. What people need to be told is about grace. I thought, Steve, you're probably onto something with this. We do need to learn about grace. And so I decided that I would call my friend Steve and I would record our conversation just because I wanted him to tell his story of transformation. But Steve, uh, Steve is a preacher. He's not really, he's an IT professional, but I told him in our conversation, Steve, I think you're the only person who, who preaches as loudly and as long as I do. Uh, even though you're an IT professional, I think that's true. Uh, and so Steve told his story of transformation and then went on for another hour to talk about grace as an idea. So I took that conversation, and I whittled it, and I whittled it, and I whittled it, but I need us to watch this conversation today. And actually, for our, our viewers online, uh, this might feel more native to you, to watch a conversation between Steve and I. In the room, it might feel a little strange to be looking at the screens, but I just want you guys to hear from Steve. He's not a professional Christian. Steve doesn't get paid to stand and say things about God. Steve is a real guy. But his life has been totally transformed by grace, and the way that he talks about grace 
is so moving and so powerful that I didn't think I could probably add anything to it that he didn't say in this video. So, Sean, let's get this thing going. It's not an hour. I worked it down, you guys. But let's watch this video of my conversation with Steve, and then I'll come out and close us at the end. Well, here we go. Steve okay. Mason, introduce yourself a little bit to the good people watching today. Great to see you, Johnny. Hello. Uh, hello, church. <laughs> I've been to see you guys once. John, I came down to see Johnny and was there. My name's Steve Mason, a friend of Johnny's now for what, eight years? Steve, we're talking about grace. We're talking about Galatians 5, and I can't think about the word grace without thinking about you. Uh, because you were absolutely captivated by grace, and that's actually kind of how we met. So I just would like you to tell your story and just walk me through what happened in okay, your life. Sure. Let me say this first to everybody. I grew up in the church. Um, I, I grew up in a, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments, the performance, you know, this is you, you do good, God's happy. That was my childhood. Um every Sunday. Uh, when I was 18, uh, I, when my mom couldn't make me go to church anymore, I, I ran from that because at some point in my adolescence, I realized that I could not, I, I could not meet those 10 commandments. I couldn't do it. And I was taught that it, when you sinned, that meant that there was going to be some level of punishment for you. So my understanding of God was that he was probably angry and disgusted with me most of the time and that I was going to have suffer some sort of penalty when I died because of the things I did and had done and still do. That was my faith journey for until I was 53. Uh, at 53, uh, uh, a depression hit me. My wife didn't know what to do with it. My kids didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. I isolated myself. I would literally go get home from work and go into the dark basement of my house and go to a bedroom I had down there that I'd made up and I would just want to go to sleep. Couldn't go to sleep. Uh, there was times I would pray, uh, ask God that maybe I wasn't necessarily actively suicidal, but I would certainly remember praying to God that if you just let me go to sleep, don't let me wake up. And that, that was a very, I didn't understand that darkness. I didn't really know what to do with it. I went to the doctor. I went to counseling. And five or six months into that, I was still desperate for something um, to help me. That was when um, in the office I worked at, um, a guy that rented office space at the other end of the building walked in and introduced himself to me one day out of the blue didn't know the guy I'd seen him didn't know what his name was just introduced himself to me said uh, you know I'm so-and-so I uh, wondered if we could just visit for a minute and he said I I've heard that you are depressed I've been through it wondered if you want to talk about it uh, and I just poured it out and I sobbed and I, and I just poured out all, the re, all my life's regrets, everything that was, I felt like was pulling me into the darkness. And he just listened to me. Him just letting me be who I was and share my darkness without, without judging me, without trying to fix me, really was the beginning of the darkness kind of lifting from me. One, then one day, 
he walked in and this is okay this is where i'm going to show the book okay this is the book <laughs> now, now look johnny you and i've talked about this a lot everybody god's timing is spot on for everybody mm. everybody's i just say everybody's right on time that's how god works and somebody's going to get this message that i've finally got a hold of one way or another i got it from this this is a book called can you see that this is by a ministry called True Face. But anyway, Jan, well, I didn't mean to say any names, but anyway, Jan, my friend Jan, now my friend Jan, was the guy and he walked in one day and handed me this book. I brought it home that night. I sat down uh, in the basement and opened the book up and started reading it. And I was, it captivated me right from the get go. And I remember that night, I read that whole book that not one night, and I was crying through most of it. I just would find myself in tears. It was the first time that I'd ever been told or even had an inkling that God wasn't disgusted with me, that the Bible wasn't a rule book, that my shame had been paid for, hmm. and all the regrets and things that were driving the darkness were going to be redeemed I, it, it sounds a little bit extreme to say it was overnight but it was it was a very short period of time yeah that the the darkness i was in just lifted and my wife saw the change my kids saw the change and i was running around trying to grab people by the shirt collar going do you know this about the god did you know that he's not disgusted with you did you know that your identity is Jesus Christ fused with you when you, the moment I called his name all those years, he was part of me. I had no idea. Mm. Then my wife said, wow, this is something happening. So she read the book and look, my marriage isn't perfect, but it's a lot better than it was before we found what the gospel really talks about. I, Johnny, we've talked about, I just think, Sometimes in church, we get it so backwards that we, oh, I, I prayed the prayer. I answered the altar call. Now I'm a Christian. And then the church goes, welcome. We've got a plan for you. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and then it's like, okay, now you're a Christian. Let's, you need to modify your behavior. Right. That puts the onus on me. Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead so that I could do this myself. This is sort of the gist of what I learned in The Cure. And that is we have really, in our Christian walk, we get to a point where we have a choice. It's either we're gonna try to please God or we're gonna trust God. Mm. Now, we people, we like to have things, to, we like to have things to do. But the thing is, is, we are not bound by rules any longer as new covenant, new creation creatures. The, the shame filter that we tend to read the Bible through is completely unnecessary because Jesus in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation. That's, that, that sums grace up right there. I'm not, I am not my sin. I am not my failures. I am not my depression. I am not what I do for a living. I am not, I am Christ and Steve. Hmm. That chain, that flips this whole idea of 
It's just this list of things that I, I need to do to please God. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I have Jesus in me. How much more pleased can God be than knowing that his son dwells in me? My only job in this is to trust that. Yeah. If I trust that, if I trust that Jesus Christ is fused with me, now I am motivated from the inside. So that's what I want. So the the immediate thing, you've heard this a million times, Steve. Grace sets us free, Galatians 5. Therefore, there is no more condemnation. Why would you put on the yoke of slavery again when you have been set free? What are you doing? And still, the immediate thought is, if we aren't the church, the pastors, right? If we're not giving people some to-do list, how in the world will they make good choices? Talk about the transformation that grace creates. You talked about living a life of uh, trying to follow the rules and trying to keep up with, right? The religious ways of being, the Ten Commandments, like you say. Talk yeah. about the transformation of grace and how grace uh, and Christ in you is not just a license to sin, which I think a lot of people might yeah. think. So, so Jesus paid this price and cleansed me and you and any that call his name. Yes, I still sin, oh my gosh. I, I will until I meet Jesus and you know in and on the other side. But I am not a sinner in God's eyes. In the New Testament, we are called saints mm. 29 times. It, there's only one place where we referred to a sinner, and Paul is talking about himself in reference to his old life. We don't under Stand the power of the cross and resurrection. Our finite minds can't, but we can underestimate it. Mm. And so it really boils down to this whole grace thing becomes about me recognizing and acknowledging my true identity. My Christian identity is Christ and Steve. My job, my only work is to choose to trust that. That is, to me, is the essence of grace. And the transformation in my life was palpable. You talk about freedom in the spiritual sense, and it's amazing, right? We've been set free, for goodness sake. Like, this is it. Grab a hold of that grace and drink deep, right? Yep. Um, but you connected it then to our day-to-day -day life. I don't know if this particular thing I'm about to say will make it into the edit, but I pastor a suburban context. Uh, when I think of the suburbs in which I live, I think of a me, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Yeah. Yeah. What's my neighbor's car? Do I have as nice of a yard, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How does grace speak to freedom in those kinds of spaces? How does grace set us free, not just in a spiritual sense, but in a very real physical lived well, I think it goes back to the identity thing because the, all those comparative things that we do, looking at the neighbors, why don't, you know, I should have a better car. I should, what, that was part of my, as, as I came out of the depression, I started to understand some of what generated it. And part of it was that mindset that hmm. I should be farther along in life. I should be more financially secure. I should be a better parent. The, the, the common word there is should. So this is the thing. 
I look around and that guy's got this and that that family's yeah. got that and look how good they are with their kids and I why are my kids like this and that's that all gets tied up in my fleshly pride in my mm. having my identity tied up in something other than Jesus Christ in me it's I, my I my, I, my identity is I need to do I need to get this I need to get that I need a better job I need to make more money then and that's always that next thing that's going to make me happy right rather than I what what else do I need to be happy than knowing that the God of creation mm. adores and delights in me just as I am when I just trust him. That's the thing about all this, Johnny, is there's the only way to please God is to trust him. And it begins by trusting who he says we are. So it's it's all tied up in this identity thing. I love that, Steve. I hear so much, and I've probably said so much. Um, we can't find our identity in cars, career, who we are. But sometimes it's said in a way that actually guilts you for having done that. I can't believe you have, right, found your identity in your career, in your money, in your status. What I love about how you just explained this is like, it's like, instead of guilt, it's freedom. Why in the world would you? Not, I can't believe you. Why would you? Like, here's this amazing world where it doesn't matter what kind of car your neighbor has. <laughs> Doesn't that sound nice to be fulfilled in Jesus? Doesn't it sound nice to just like know that you are settled and secure, that your identity is set in your relationship with God through what Jesus has done for you? Yep. And nobody now, therefore there is no condemnation, is also earthly condemnation. It's not just like the judgment of God. Amen. Nobody gets to tell you you're not good enough. Nobody gets to make you feel less than. Nobody gets to set up a should that yep. you have to follow. That's a lot of freedom, man. They can do it. They can sure do it. But it, but I, I get in those moments when that's happening to me in my real life, at my job. I mean, look, we're, we live in a performance-based culture. I mean, from the moment we go, start going to school, as little kids, we go to school, let's get good grades, let's do this, be a good kid, you'll get stuff for Christmas. The, San, the old Santa Claus syndrome, uh, you know, uh, you better be good, you better, you know, all this, and then you come, then you grow up and you go to work, and it's like performance reviews and climbing the ladder and and blah, you know, you everybody knows what I'm talking about. When I found this grace, I could, I just, I stopped worrying about all that stuff. Mm. Uh, well, that's not, not entirely true. Uh, I wish I could say I oh stop. But on your best day, on my best day, on my worst day, I'm still a mess on my best day. I'm still a mess, but it's okay because I'm God's mess. This is, I am his God has given me a new heart. And though that's what I try to, when I'm in, when I'm in a storm, when I'm up to my eyeballs in anxiety at my job, the best thing that I can do is to stop and remember the freedom that I've been given in, with Christ indwelling me. I mean, he's, he's, it's like, I can't see where Jesus starts and I begin anymore. And I'm proud to be who I am now. 
I'm not ashamed of what I did wrong anymore. I, I understand now that all the bad things I did, the life I lived leading up to this change is always being redeemed, even when I can't see it. That's the grace of God at work all the time. If we could see behind the veil at what wonder he's weaving in us, we would just lose, we'd lose our footing. We would just, we just wouldn't be able to handle it. But, but that's our reality. It's not about how I feel. It's about what's true. And scripture says that I am loved. That's what, that's, that's all I need, man. That's it. You put a pin in it, Steve. I, uh, I'm so grateful for Steve, and I'm grateful because I don't know anybody, and I know, I know myself, <laughs> and I know a lot of pastors, but I don't know anybody who experiences the freedom of Christ more powerfully than I've seen in Steve. I was watching uh, in the back, I was watching people commenting on the video that we're watching online, and it was interesting to see everybody's pulling out their favorite part. Something you were watching, something Steve said, right, hit you. You were like, man, that's it. For me, I loved when he said, on my worst day, I'm a mess. On my best day, I'm a mess, but that's okay because I'm God's mess. That Steve just lives this Christ and Steve life uh, every single day. So the challenge, I think, for us today is twofold. Well, I'm going to make it twofold. Maybe you got more. The challenge for us today is, is, A, to wake up every day living in freedom. To wake up every day and say, my identity today is Christ and Johnny. And it's day-to-day -day and it's moment-to-moment. -moment. It's this relationship of trust that Steve points out. But I think there's a second thing for us today. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of Steve's story where he talked about his friend Jan who comes into his office and just sits and listens to him. Can grace, the grace we've received from God, can grace push us out into the world to be uh, vessels of that grace for other people? To sit and listen, to be a place where people feel safe. That was the beginning of Steve's journey. He received grace from Jan and that allowed him to then receive grace from God, a grace that he had been missing out on for 53 years up until that point. So I think our challenge is twofold. One, to wake up and accept grace for us every single day. Wake up and say, I'm a saint, not a sinner. My identity is not defined by the wrongs I've done, but by what Jesus says I am. And then the second thing is to take that identity out into the world and extend grace to others. And that's really what we'll be talking about next week as well, is how the grace of God impacts not just us, but our neighbors. Let's pray together this morning. God, we are, um, I think the, the, the line, we can't understand the cross, but we can underestimate it, is so true. And God, I, uh, I repent for the ways that I underestimate the cross every day, for the way that I view myself uh, outside of the way you view me, that I don't see myself as, as Christ in me, but I see myself still as a sinner instead of the saint that you have declared me. And then, God, I repent for the way that, because I can't uh, see your grace on me, that I don't share your grace with those around me. 
And yet even in that, God, there is grace. This is the great paradox of grace. We repent, and there's always grace on the other side of it. We don't sit and wallow in that shame. We don't sit and wallow in those feelings of, oh, I didn't do enough, I'm not enough, I should have done this or should have done that. There's always grace on the other side. And it's that grace that then compels us, God, to live into your reality and the identity that you have given us every day. So God, carry us out today as saints, as people undefined by their sin, but instead defined by who you say we are and the identity that you have given to us, God. That is good grace. And we're thankful for it today. We love you, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen.